Welcome to All Things Excel. I'm your host, Emily. This podcast is about all things concerned with the Delaware CTR Excel program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Allison Carpin. We're so happy to have you here, Allison. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Emily. Yeah. Um, so, Dr. Carpin, would you just start off by telling us your official title, how you are invo- how you are involved with the Excel program, and how long you've been a part of the team? Sure. So, um, I think I've been involved with Excel for about three or four years, maybe even going on five now. Time flies sometimes. Um, and my official title is um, I'm an associate professor in human development and family sciences. And then I'm also the senior associate director for CREST, the Center for Research in Education and Social Policy at the University of Delaware. Okay. And um, I work also in Excel, um, I'm part of their leadership team for community engagement for UD and then also for the evaluation team as well. For the uh, for that core, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. Cool. Okay, great. Um, so I have some questions uh, for you today. Um, we'll get started. So partnering with, a, partnering with a community agency or group when doing research can be, you know, really challenging. So how do you effectively partner or recruit a partner to collaborate with you on a study? And what steps would you take? Yeah, so um, this is a pretty specific question. Uh, I guess I'll just start with a little bit of context in that for about 12 years, I was the community partner that many folks were calling. I worked before I came to the university at a nonprofit called the Food Trust in Philadelphia. And so I was often the recipient of a variety of types of different kinds of phone calls and requests from um, faculty at universities to do work with grants. And so I've kind of um, shaped my approach with that in mind. Um, So some of the things that I know uh, were difficult for me when I was the community partner and therefore are things I try to avoid, although, you know, it's always hard to um, be completely cognizant of your position and how you're being received. But in general, you know, I tried not to come, I I did not particularly care for it when (laughs) someone came at me with a project that I couldn't find relevance in for our own work. So something that felt like a lot of extra work, but that wasn't really tied to our own mission or vision or programs. It was always much better to have um, a strategy where someone came to me and said, hey, what are you guys working on? What kind of data might you have that you don't have the capacity to do analysis on? Or where do you think there are opportunities for research within the context of what you're already working on and sort of build something from there? That was always a much better approach for me. I think, too, um, folks who took the time to kind of come over to the agency to see how we work, to get a sense on the ground for how data collection might occur or the kinds of capacities that we had was also really valuable. So we try to do that, too, in our um, approaches now that we're sort of on the other side. Okay. So uh, piggybacking off that, um, and maybe you've already answered this to some degree, but what are some things you've you found that are really important to a researcher um, that you must provide to a community agency, um, hoping that they are willing to work with you then? 
So just so I understand your question, what's important to the researcher or what's important to the agency? Uh, well, what have you found as the most important things that a researcher must provide to a community agency so that they're willing to work with you? Yeah, I mean, I think what the researcher has to provide is um, a lot of respectful consideration and not necessarily their own agenda. Sure. <laughs> Which isn't a very tangible thing, but I think it's perhaps the most valuable thing where um, the interest has to truly be common. And so to come into something like that, you really need to be able to listen and understand where their capacity needs are and try to be respectful and responsive to them. Certainly, too, financial support is important. You know, nonprofits are nonprofits for a reason. They struggle to find funds every day. And you're asking folks to take on a lot more, um, just like community members in general, to take on a lot more. And you're not willing to compensate them at the same rate you would one of your own, you know, staff in your organization. It just doesn't create an equitable, trustworthy setup. So that's definitely worth thinking about, too. Sure. That makes sense. And I like that respect, you know, just coming in with, you know, kind of that respectful um, presence. So, um, so many community agencies have voiced concern that researchers tend to come in, um, do research, and then leave, causing the agency to feel somewhat used. So what do researchers need to know and what do they need to do to prevent this from happening? Thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, um, I think that it takes a very intentional effort to make sure your relationship is long-term. And um, again, I, I don't think you can always avoid this problem given the way that funding streams work, but I do think that you can um, go out of your way to buffer it the extent you can. One example we have is at Crest, where I work, um, from the day that we started there, we started um, doing volunteer work and helping to run a, a dinner program at um, Hanover Presbyterian Church in Wilmington. And that wasn't necessarily because we wanted to partner with them for some specific research study, but because I think to be considered a good steward in the community, you have to do community work um, that's relevant to the community. So for six years now, we've done this meal and it's great for our staff to be able to go and um, just be part of that community in a way that gives something back. It's not, you know, a long-term huge commitment, but we've gotten to know the, the leadership at the church there. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know that we've ever asked them for any kind of favors or asked them necessarily yet to partner on anything. But I think the idea is that, you know, over years they know we show up every month and we're there to help them with their code drives and other stuff that they're doing that that creates a true partnership where if we needed to get in touch with them or have a convening of some kind or whatever might come down the pike in the future there um I think they would be truly receptive to that and feel like you know we were going to be a good partner for them too so right. that, that's that's kind of the model that I think is best I mean there's other examples too of how we've done this where you know, we've worked with the zoo and, you know, we did the project with Excel. Originally it was the ACE award mechanism. Now it's more like a pilot grant, but, um, and the initially, you know, we wanted to test zoo animal characters for marketing purposes, um, for healthy food, which was very research-based and sort of part of my wheelhouse. 
But as we went through the zoo, it became clear that they also were very interested in helping to modify the items in their um, in their concession stand. And so we sort of met them in the middle saying, well, what if we were to help you identify healthier items and help support the change in the menu board? Because that would be um, you know, a cost for them to be able to change the menu and um, some other features, um, in in, including sort of subsidizing some of the loss of the product that maybe didn't sell that we were hoping would sell, but didn't mm-hmm. so that they could truly test this out without it being a financial loss to them. And, you know, they were very interested at the time there was a, um, a concession stand worker who had just had gastric bypass. And she said there was nothing in there that she could eat. And it was, it was, a it was a need that they had. So, you know, by meeting that need and continuing to, to maintain a relationship with them. Um, we've done other projects now that stem from that ACE award study that uh, have included the zoo and, you know, the West side of the city where for the second project, we were able to pay for the zoo employees to come out with animals to help do a community event, which was in their best interest because that's what they're trying to foster. Um, and was in our best interest because we we're trying to create, you know, a fun activity for the community to help also um, increase the visibility of healthy food and the project that we were doing there. So I think those are two good examples of how that kind of thing can come together. Yeah. So it's really about um, building that trust, it sounds like, too, between the agency that you're um, hoping to work with. And yeah. um, maybe even, like you said, just volunteering at first and just getting in the community and getting to know, you know, without a specific agenda, even um, like with the church. Right. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Um, how do you, here's another question I have for you. How do we better integrate our research into the needs of the community in Delaware? Yeah, I think this is a really good question. And I think um, it's, it's again, you know, there's not, one black or white answer here, but there's a few things I think we could do. One is I think we need to hear the needs of the community and integrate that into our research priorities as best as possible. So for example, you know, we know the opioid epidemic is affecting many people. Mm -hmm. I also think there's concerns about water quality in Delaware. I think there's a number of concerns that, um, folks have that we could, you know, and we are now integrating into our research priorities. So I think that's one direction that's really valuable. I think the other direction that's valuable is how do we build this, this respectful, trusting relationship as a university with community members. And I think the word community can be difficult, right? So are we talking about what I would say is Joe on the block or the black captain, or are we talking about a nonprofit organization that is essentially an intermediary between, you know, Joe on the block and other dissemination efforts. So thinking broadly about all those kinds of community types, um, I think that we could do, you know, we could make a concerted effort to try and provide information or resources or expertise to them that is aligned with the kinds of research we're doing, but might not be literally the research we're doing. So for example, (laughs) if we have, um, you know, nurses and doctors doing um, work on a specific disease, and yet 
the community is struggling with high blood pressure, doing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, having a few people out in the community doing blood pressure screenings or doing, um, you know, mental health checks, mm -hmm. I think can be a way of bridging the gap, maybe not with the technical nuance of whatever, you know, the, the biology of the sciences that um, is, trans is, is translatable maybe, but really just sort of simplifying our translation to meet the community's needs with the resources that we have, being doctors, nurses, you know, even just facilities, I think more and more opening our doors to say, look, you know, thanks to Excel, you know, we'd love to have, help you host your own community meeting here without necessarily always wanting some kind of skin in the game for us or some kind of immediate benefit for sure. us, but more in terms of long-term relationship building. Because when that relationship falters or fails, we see an immediate harm. Yeah, right. <laughs> so maybe we should be preventing harm as much as we are, you know, um, looking for an immediate win. You know? Sure, yeah, that, that definitely yeah. makes sense. <clears throat> so in your opinion... Dr. Carpin, where do you see the greatest needs for community-engaged research in Delaware? Um, Just your opinion. You know, it's a tricky question. Yeah, no, I see that. Um, it's a tricky question to say where because um, there's no – there's. I think there's lots of places physically. There's places in Delaware that have been touched, and I think um, in terms of – areas of interest or areas of concern like opioid mental health mm -hmm. education right there's lots of ways that the university and through the excel program as well has begun to tap into this so i i don't know it's a matter of the greatest need for community engaged research as much as it is i think the greatest need for being extremely um thoughtful and um, careful and really cherishing this relationship that we're building with the community mm -hmm. in a way that that really honors the fact that Delaware is a very small place and we now have more and more research going on and and cultivates meaningful long-term relationships as much as it does identify where there might be a gap. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, one last question for today. Uh, how does Excel help support community-engaged research? Yeah, I think Excel really is a leader in doing this nationwide. And I don't just say that because I'm in part <laughs> helping to move the needle, but I really right. think as far as translational research goes, we're, we're really moving it forward. I mean, you can think of this as, a, as almost like an onion with lots of layers, you know, at the one hand, I think we're bringing visibility to community-engaged re research um, mm -hmm. across a spectrum of types of community partners and a spectrum of types of scientific partners. And in and of itself, awareness is, is a really important first step. Just defining it, figuring out how you can do it, thinking about it, offering trainings on it, all of those things are, are really important as a, as, a, um, as a trajectory that's building more and more in the state. And then I think second of all, we're we're doing it, right? Our pilot grants yeah. are making a huge um, difference when it comes to community-engaged work. Yeah. I think the um, community um, uh, 
members themselves, um, the body of, of folks who the CAC who are doing advising for us are um, very engaged and interested in what we're doing. And I think that the meeting of the minds there is making, um, making a big difference and Excel supporting all of that. Yeah, I know where we are. I, we're looked to, I think, as one of the leaders in community engagement research. So yeah, we awesome. certainly are. That's great. Well, thank you so much for stopping by Dr. Carpin. I really appreciate you coming to the podcast. And yeah, and thanks for having me, Emily. This is great. I look forward to listening to future ones. Yeah, might have you on again sometime. Or I've <laughs> talked about having the community, um, the CAC on as well, um, talking to some of them. So that would be great. I bet you'd get a lot out of it. Yeah. 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 So listeners, you can look forward to that hopefully in the near future. That wraps up another episode of the All Things Excel podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Please like or follow us on Facebook at D-E-C-T-R-A-C-C-E-L and Instagram. And that underscore is A-C-C-E-L underscore on underscore I-G. And we'll see you on the next episode of All Things Excel. Thanks, Emily. Yep.